Dynasty Theory is now a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts, and we could not be more excited. Tune in each and every week when we provide actionable advice to help you navigate through the crazy world of Dynasty Fantasy Football. We're always diving into quickly changing values, market inefficiencies, and opportunities to help you build those dynasties. Make sure you also check out the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Enjoy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Dan, Matt, and Ryan. Episode 553 of the pod. It's Conference Championship. That I can't believe we've made it this far, guys. Uh, the season feels like it just kicked off and we're about to crown a champion. Uh, in the NFL, of course, we've all crowned champions in our fantasy league um, already. But this is the fun part of the season. The there is no off season, right, Ryan? Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't believe there's just one game left. Uh, I was actually hoping for for some better games on on Sunday. Of course, the the AFC game was was a good one, but I was a little disappointed with the NFC. Of course, the injury and and uh, everything else but all all in all another good uh conference championship weekend yeah we're gonna hit on both of those games as we move on here in the show matt but um gotta get you in here as well you're uh you're itching to get your leagues fired up for 2023 already i i see it in your eye matt yeah, I mean, we've already run through Redless 1 Dispersal. That one's all set. We're in Redless 2 right now. It's the craziest Dispersal Second Chance Austin I've ever been a part of. Uh, there are, I was talking to Ryan just a minute ago, there are uh, 15 uh, total teams in this Dispersal auction. That's about half the league. There are 36 teams in the league. So uh, we had nine new managers and have six people join via the Second Chance, including myself. So we're having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, that if you missed that conversation a week ago, we talked about those dispersals and second chance auctions. We talked a little strategy, why they're a lot of fun. Um, and that's, you know, really, that's an advertisement for it. Right now, not a lot happening in the fantasy industry, but in dynasty leagues, these dispersals and second chance auctions, they're happening right now because there's all these events throughout the offseason. We want to we have something going on right now. We're still thinking about football. Everybody's watching football every Sunday right now. Uh, we might as well be thinking about fantasy football, right? Dan, Dan, you know how to tell the difference between a dynasty player on, and a redraft player on uh, Twitter as you go through these these like threads of people talking about their drafts going on right now, and then you see somebody comment like, "What are you ridiculous people doing drafting in <laughs> in January?" Right? And you're like, "Yeah, you just don't get it. Maybe someday you'll get wait. it, but you don't get it." I can't wait for best ball season. I can't wait for a startup or two here coming up. Uh, usually that's about March. You let the Super Bowl settle for a minute, and then you get that itch for a startup and, and get involved in that. That's coming right around the corner as well. So I'm sure all our listeners are just as fired up as we are for this offseason. We're going to cover three more rookies in the rookie report. That's uh, that's going to be a fun conversation. We got our sleeper stash of the week, of course, as well. And we're going to be getting down with ADP here in a minute as well but uh first we better hit this the startup yeah the startup is usually the biggest thing that's on our mind and guys i know we've talked about brock purdy and the 49ers offense and everything that has kind of gotten us to this point 
throughout this season, the injuries at the position, the offense getting the new weapons and, and everything meshing together so nicely. But now there's another layer to it, Matt. Now, now we add this UCL injury for Brock Purdy after such a magical run through the regular season, or at least the second half of the regular season, followed up by great performances in the playoffs, and then this early exit uh, and then re-entry, I guess, against the Eagles in the conference championship game. It just kind of muddies the water. We got news on Monday that it was a very serious injury, and we're talking about a six-month timetable before Purdy can get back on the field or maybe even throw footballs, depending on how this this all uh, shakes out here this offseason. Brock Purdy is a great story. But now we, we have this no, another level of confusion when it comes to the 49ers quarterback situation. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's anybody's guess at this point. We all said a few weeks ago that we thought it was Trey Lance's job no matter what. And then, you know, Purdy won that that, that, that divisional round playoff game. We're like, oh, maybe, maybe there's something here. Um, we saw him be a true warrior after tearing that, that ligament in his elbow. I think it's the same one that hurt that Josh Allen hurt. Is it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's yep. the same one that he came back in and played through it. He only threw like a three or four passes, I believe, after coming back in. Uh, and I mean, obviously it was clear why. Uh, maybe they should have left him out and put uh, Debo uh, and D- Debo and McCaffrey back there running the Wildcat uh, the rest of the game. Maybe we've had a little bit more of an exciting outcome there. But yeah, this quarterback situation is a nightmare. You, now you have Cox of Tom Brady maybe coming there. I think that's still all just speculation at this point. Um, but I mean, do you guys have an opinion on who the front runner is right now after all of the news this past weekend? I, I feel like we might be back to Lance. I, you know, I've never really pivoted off of Lance. I'm, I'm, I'm true blue. You know, I've been I've been in the camp for too long and maybe that muddies my you know, it's it's not I don't have clear lens of what's happening because I love him as a prospect and a player and I feel like he has the same kind of upside of of like Jalen Hurts or or one of those those guys that can stand in the pocket deliver the football and then be electrifying with his legs as well. We we didn't get to see enough of that. I really do think also, Matt, that Shanahan wants that part of his offense involved. I, I think he wants that. Now, I was talking to a buddy of mine this weekend, and he mentioned that with 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 the uh, with Rand Carthon taking over that um, that front office coming out of San Francisco, that maybe there'd be something there that that maybe Lance would be the guy that's traded out with Purdy playing so well. And that got me thinking about poten- potential changes that way. I'm sure many dynasty managers are thinking of that as well. And really, I landed at Trey Lance is one of the top 25 quarterbacks in the NFL. And he is he should be a starting quarterback. That doesn't necessarily mean it's in San Francisco, I guess. it's I guess time will tell. If, if you're in a startup, though, right now, Ryan, and you get past that quarterback 10, quarterback 12 range, and you're starting to look at these veteran guys or a guy like Trey Lance who... Let's face it, really doesn't we don't have a lot of clarity as far as his future role either in San Francisco or somebody somewhere else. Are you still willing to pull the trigger on Lance being your guy? Yeah, I am. I'm still confident in the talent and um I, I do think after the injury it, it makes it much more likely that we'll see Lance in San Francisco rather than uh potentially traded. Um but yeah, I I think I think we've got a pretty clear top 12 quarterbacks. Our ADP tells us that as well and agrees with that. And I see Lance almost in a tier of his own as that quarterback 13 
uh, above guys like Cousins and, uh, you know, even above Daniel Jones. Uh, some could certainly argue that. Uh, now, the the rookies coming in, maybe they jump in in, in that same range with with Trey Lance. But, yeah, for me, he's he, he's still pretty locked in there at, at, at quarterback 13. And uh, I do think the injury – uh, I wouldn't say it guarantees Lance of being the 49er starter, but I think it makes it so much less likely that they would trade Lance and, and just ride with Purdy because there is going to be this, uh, this uncertainty due to his injury uh, now moving forward. And that's an appealing place to be, right? We want the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers because of those weapons, because Christian McCaffrey offer so many exits for that quarter other options for the quarterback to score us fantasy points McCaffrey was such a dynamic addition to that offense on top of Debo on top of Ayuk and Kittle and that offensive line that's so good honestly three weeks ago I thought the 49ers could beat the could could beat the Eagles could go to the Super Bowl with a rookie quarterback and I think about if, if we could have had Trey Lance in that offense for the entirety of the season and he could have developed that that pocket passing presence to go along with his athleticism. There, really, the sky is the limit for that. I, I really do think Jalen Hurts is the is the ceiling, and and everything that Hurts has done in his second season as a start as a full time starter here. So, um, you know, we we talk about Lance being the quarterback thirteen, Ryan. Uh, what's his upside as far as dynasty goes and and fantasy goes? Because Hertz is up there at Q- QB three, and I think if everything shakes out right, we could be talking about those guys as equals at some point. Yeah, I mean, the quarterback rankings and and values have have definitely been shaken up this year with with some injuries, with the the play of Hertz and others who who have really gained value. I mean, I remember having the Hertz conversation in the preseason, and all of us liked him, believed in the talent, expected him to have a huge year. But we looked at that group that included Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert and and just thought he can't crack those guys, right? Like the highest he could get is maybe quarterback seven or eight. And uh, I mean, that that's that was obviously wrong and and uh, and looks kind of silly now. So it's it's tough to put that ceiling on a player with Trey Lance's talent. And and, and you're right. If you believe it's Jalen Hurts then he has overall QB1 upside in Dynasty. Yeah, I love the upside. You know, we're, we're talking about this tier of quarterbacks at the bottom of the QB1s right now and the beginning of the QB2s. And that's where all the news lies, really, in Dynasty. There, You know, throughout the weekend, we saw the Tua Tungvaloa news that, you know, he had that kind of cryptic tweet. And, you know, there's there's so many questions about what's going on down there in Miami. I don't know if you can trust anything with, with that ownership group and, and what's going on down there. The only thing, you know, we all love – we all love Tyreek Hill and having him on our teams. And we, we love Tua's upside. And, we, you know, that, that coaching staff is so much fun to watch with Mike McDaniel leading the way there. But there's always something hanging over the head of everything good happening there in Miami to me, and that's that ownership. And then, the, you know, you go a little bit higher in our ADP, and it's Dak Prescott. And he's been in the news because, of, you know, he throws interceptions in big games, and he hasn't been able to get the Cowboys over the hump, and they had a coaching change. Now their OC moves on, and, and we're talking about uh, Mike McCarthy now taking over as the play caller. And then the QB 14, that's Aaron Rodgers. There's news of him. Green Bay's apparently set on moving on from Aaron Rodgers. So 
the quarterback landscape, once again, guys, it's about to change. And it's going to affect Dynasty drastically, really. Um, we just talked about three or four guys that, whether you play in single quarterback or, or super flex, they're in starting lineups every single week. They're guys we're going to be depending on. And we're going to see some shakeup once again. Sleeper Stash of the Week. Well, it's my turn to cover the Sleeper Stash of the Week, where we take a look at a player outside our top 280p that we think should make their way onto your roster. Or, you know, at least uh, you should be thinking about if he's already on that the back of your roster. I'm going with Samaje Pirine. He's my Sleeper Stash of the Week. And uh, really, the reasons were pretty evident over the final stretch of the season, guys. There was a stretch of the season where where he he carried the biggest workload of his career between weeks 11 and 14. That three-week span, uh, he handled the, the Cincinnati offense, really went through Samaje P. Ryan. He finished three times in the top 10 among running backs, including a running back two finish and a running back three finish. Um, also had a running back uh, 24 finish in week 14. Um, lots of, you know, he was a big touchdown maker, Matt, in college. He was, he was a guy at Oklahoma that had some really big games. And I thought, I, I kind of liked him coming out of college. He's now scheduled to be a free agent. And I, I'm wondering, do you think maybe there's a team out there, whether it be the Bengals or somebody else, uh, because Mixon, he's a free agent as well, that are maybe thinking about Pirine as not the guy that gets 20% of the workload, but maybe he could be a 40 or 45% of the workload with pass catching, and that maybe in 2023 he reaches his potential to be a, a full-time flex guy for dynasty managers. So Samaje Pirine, he's our sleeper stash of the week, um, brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest-growing fantasy football platform in the world download their app join a new dynasty league or migrate yours to their platform and enjoy how easy they make it to manage all your leagues in one place you down with adp yeah you know me we are always down with adp here on the dlf dynasty podcast and ryan we thought right now would be a good chance to shine some light on some of the biggest risers in ADP throughout the season. You came up with a list of players from the preseason until now that we can talk about here. Yeah, I, I thought uh, with with the uh, Dynasty offseason kind of in full swing here, we're, we're a month in at least. Um, thought we could look back at, at those players. And, you know, Because we collect that ADP uh, throughout the season, we kind of lose track of of who really has made that big jump since the preseason. Uh, so I compared September ADP to our recently released January ADP and, and looked at the, the players who had seen the largest percentage gain, not necessarily the most spots. We saw a lot of guys move from 250 to 200 or something like that. And, and not to say that's meaningless, but uh, we, we care about a little bit more about those guys near the top of the list. So players that saw the biggest percentage gain and and the one at the top stands out for so many reasons. Kenneth Walker, rookie running back for Seattle, had an ADP of 53 overall in September. He's the top 10 guy now, nine overall here in January. Obviously a, a 44 spot gain and uh, several hundred uh, percentage gain as well. 
Yeah, Walker really burst onto the scene when he finally got his opportunity, right? He had those that stretch of games where he scored nine touchdowns in a seven-week stretch, stretch and multiple runs of 50, 60, 70 yards, breaking games open late in the late in the game. And there was a moment there when we all had to pinch ourselves a little bit and say, is this the same guy, Matt, that – that coming out of Michigan State, we were all weren't quite convinced that he was the next big thing. It's clear at this point we have an RB one on our hands and a guy that we can count on week in and week out to get a, a pretty nice workload. Yeah, I still have. I think we did see see more than at least I thought we were going to see this first year in Seattle. There, uh, I still have concerns about the pass catching. He averaged about two catches a game, basically. So we know that what that does for the position's floor and ceiling. Um, that said, I do have him currently at running back six overall, but that's towards the um, the end of the second or the actually the end of the second round, early third round. So I'm not calling him a first round pick, certainly not ninth uh, overall for me personally. Um, so I, I like the player. I like the talent. I just wish he ca- caught more passes and I'm not willing, willing to spend a, a, a top a, a top pick on him, a first round pick on somebody with that kind of profile personally. Yeah, he he wasn't a consistent pass catcher, he, although he had that what we considered to be a full time catch game. I think there he had that six catch game, eight targets in week 10 against Tampa Bay. But outside of that, he, he only reached reached three catches uh, two more times in that stretch as the starter. I, I think he caught a caught a caught three passes early in the season when he when he was kind of that that secondary option. Um you know the the biggest thing with him is he doesn't create that floor with that pp with by catching passes and needs to create that big upside by having multi touchdown games and you know that creates that creates weak winning winning uh performances sometimes when you get that 22 carries and he goes over 100 yards finds the end zone excuse me finds the end zone multiple times you're talking about rb2 on the week rb3 on the week and can carry you to a victory but we saw some of the negative as well when uh, either either by game script or being banged up throughout the game, he gets 12 carries for 40 yards and isn't involved in the passing game. And that only translates to about 10 PPR fantasy points. So that, that ceiling is always there because he has that huge workload and the potential to break off the big play. But the floor isn't as high as we'd like from a guy um that has this kind of adp ryan we regularly talk about first round running backs and how moving on from these guys there's never really a bad time to do it because most likely they're at their peak is this is this uh kenneth walker's peak as far as dynasty value just just nine months into his fantasy career yeah i think it definitely could be i've seen uh i've seen kenneth walker show up as a uh as a sell option on, on many people's uh, off season buys and sells list. And, and I understand why, uh, I mean, some of the same things that Matt already talked about and, and I'm, I certainly agree with him. I'm not spending a first rounder on him either. That's, that's where the ADP is, but that doesn't mean you always have to make those picks or, or agree with, you know, agree with the community or with the data. Um, it, just looking at Walker, I think the rise for him, obviously his his play was better than we expected. But I think moving up into the first round, moving up to RB4, which is where he currently is, 
I think it has a lot to do with some of the running backs that we saw fall down the ranks and we saw struggle or, or, or get injured. You know, Javante Williams was a top three or four guy. Uh, he missed most of the season. Najee Harris struggled and lost a ton of value. Um, we, we saw those, those veterans, those 2017 guys lose value over the season. So um, I think it was almost by default that, that Kenneth Walker was such a riser and, yeah, I would I would be looking to sell him high right now if I had him. Uh, outside of outside of Brees Hall, I'm I'm pretty much selling any running back I have. We also have to we also have to remember not only the sorry going back to the pass catching conversation. It's not just the floor that that hurts; it's the ceiling. Over the last five seasons, we've only had uh, three running backs finish in the top five without. Uh, catching a basically being a pass catching option for their team, uh, and that of course is Jonathan Taylor, uh, uh, Derrick Henry, and Nick Chubb. And I'm not really w- ready to say Kenneth Walker has the kind of upside as those guys do. And even then, uh, was it? Uh, gosh, I'm doing this off the top of my head, but there was a couple of seasons ago when I think it was two seasons ago when Derrick Henry had his 2,000 yard season, and he still only finished as the running back three overall. So even despite those crazy rushing numbers, he still was not able to finish as the top running back. I believe. It was Alva Kamara uh, that year with that pass catching profile that did finish above Henry uh, despite far less yards on the ground. So Kenneth Walker is the biggest gainer really in percentage uh, from September to January. You you listed 10 guys here, Ryan, and there, there's a couple overwhelming uh, commonalities here in this list of 10 players. First of all, it starts off with Walker and for good reason, he's at the top. Um, Josh Jacobs is the only other running back to make the list. So, and for good reason, right? He, uh, he led the league in rushing and finished the season as the RB one, I believe in, in both, uh, PPR and non PPR leagues, uh, had that magical season outside of that. We have eight wide receivers, including a lot of the young guys that we want to build our team around. It starts with Garrett Wilson, he went up 50 spots from 64 to 14. Amon Robert St. Brown, another surge from 36 in September up to 10. So he gained 26 spots. We had Jalen Waddle gain 14 spots into round one from 20 to 6 overall. Rookie Chris Lave, 59 up to 19. A.J. Brown went from 9 to 3, so he gained value moving on to, to Philadelphia. Devontae Smith, his teammate, he had a big surge as well from 68 up to 23. Then Tyreek, he gained a lot of the value that he lost moving down there to Miami yep. from 28 to 11. And then rookie Christian Watson, 111 all the way up to 44. So those are your top 10 uh, gainers throughout the season. And we list off these wide receivers, Ryan. And you got to sh- nod your head with every name that comes along because these were the guys that that really carried dynasty managers at some point this year. Yeah, several things stand out there. Obviously, eight out of the ten players being wide receivers is the first thing. You see a couple sets of teammates there. We, uh, I mean, the Eagles. Of course, we've already talked about them in this episode, and and we're going to be talking about them a ton over the next couple of weeks, but both AJ Brown and Devonte Smith had very productive and, and efficient seasons. The dolphin teammates. I'm a little more worried about Waddle and Tyree kill uh, because so much of their production came when Tua Tungavaloa was on the field. And uh, in, in those games, he did not play. We saw both of their fantasy numbers drop significantly. So, 
Uh, as you already said, that's going to be a uh, that's going to be a story to watch. Just how how the the Tua situation unfolds. But um, you know, if it's if it's kind of worst case as far as fantasy goes, and and he steps away from the game, uh, it's going to greatly impact the value, obviously, of Tyree Kill and, and Jalen Waddle. Yeah, that that duo down there in Miami, so much value there for dynasty managers. The one in Philadelphia as well. Matt, if there's one receiver on this list or two guys that really stick out to you as, as a, a player that's worthy of a massive rise up d- dynasty rankings and ADP, who would that be for you? I think I'll go with uh, your boy Christian Watson, Dan. Um, he has clearly flown up the rankings and, you know, deservedly so after the disappointments early in the season. You know, it was a kind of a uh, an omen, that first catch that he drops, the 70-plus yard touchdown in this first game with uh, connecting with Aaron Rodgers or not connecting with Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, as he got healthier, as he got more integrated into the system, he really showed, like, his playmaking ability, ability to produce points on the NFL field and for our fantasy lineups. You know, but the the question, of course, is is what how is that going to look with Jordan Love or whoever the next quarterback if, if they really are moving on from Aaron Rodgers? So he feels like one that we might be able to take advantage of a little bit, at least from a, a trade market standpoint, like through this offseason, at least until we get some more news with the quarterback, I think we can take advantage by maybe selling at this point, you know, coming all the way up into the top 50 of ADP. And then as maybe news comes out that seem less, seems a little bit less rosy or for somebody like Watson, maybe we can buy back in as this value uh, vacillates up and down this season. Um, I feel like he's one that maybe we've overcorrected on, but I think it's honestly, I think it's worthy based on what we did see uh, towards uh, down the the stretch of the second half of the NFL season. Yeah. The second, there was a four week stretch there for about a month and it was, it was touchdown dependent, but four straight top 10 finishes for Christian Watson at the wide receiver position and then he had another setback, uh, you know, that bye week, he had that injury and yeah. he, he struggled to stay on the field once again uh, before finishing strong against Detroit and having that big game there as well. So, you know, I wonder, Ryan, the injuries are something that, that are on the top of mind with dynasty managers always, uh, no matter the position really. And we watched Watson come in and out of games and miss time and miss a stretch of games as well. Is that something that's going to hang over his head going into year two in Green Bay? Well, I mean, based on this ADP, I don't, I don't think it is. And <laughs> I mean, we we've talked about Watson a ton. Uh, he is he's a polarizing player, and and obviously you two are are Packers fans. All the things that I've been concerned about with Christian Watson, I still am. I still look at those as negatives. Um, he was much better on the field and, and showed a lot more than I expected him to. So I understand the value gain, but I think this is just another reason that it is important to track ADP, to track these trends. And um, if there is a, a player that you're unsure about, and but you ended up with, with him on your roster, you see a value gain like this, this is the time to take advantage of that and, and, and go ahead and flip that player. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just – not convinced we're at his ceiling at this point. He's he's going to be the most talented pass catcher in that offense, no matter who the quarterback is next year. And they're they're going to be throwing the football still. I, I'm I am a I have a rosy outlook for Jordan Love as a as a starting quarterback. I, I happen to feel like he's going to be effective 
uh, might not be the quarterback one overall for Dynasty or have that kind of upside. But I think he's going to be more than adequate. And I like his big arm with Christian Watson almost as much as I like Rodgers, to be honest with you. So I, I really do feel like this was a sign of things to come. If I had Christian Watson, and I do in some places, I'd be holding on to him and, and uh, expecting consistent. I, well, maybe that's not the right word. Uh, maybe inconsistent wide receiver, receiver <laughs> two type numbers with uh, with those blow up games available that that will yeah. come up. He's he's a great player to have in best ball. If you play in best ball dynasty, he he's one you certainly want on your roster. Uh, anybody else worth worth highlighting here, Ryan? That we didn't really hit on? Um, probably not. Um, you know, I was te- teeing it up for Chris Olave. He's he's our guy, right? We. We got to talk about Chris Olave. I mean, just looking at these September ADPs, and I mean that was that was not that long ago. You know, you see Garrett Wilson sixty four overall, and St. Brown was a, a late third rounder. Olave was a, a second rounder. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Waddle was a second rounder. And it's like I said, you kind of lose perspective, and and you forget how uh, how cheap these guys were just a few months ago, and. Um, in some ways you're kicking yourself that you didn't get more shares, but there's, we're going to repeat this process again next year. So you find the guys that are fifth and sixth and seventh rounders that you expect to gain value in in the coming season. And, and, you know, you play the game all over again. And based on what this is telling us, they're probably going to be young wide receivers. Yeah. And for, for every Chris Olave and for every Garrett Wilson, there, there are the guys that don't produce as rookies. And we invested in, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s in ADP that, that we're, now we're sitting here thinking, man, I wish I had the guy that had the big rookie season. Not the guy who I'm waiting on season two or, or hoping for a, a sophomore, um, big sophomore performance. So um, we're gonna we're gonna try to get to some of the some of the ADP. I guess the opposite of riser is faller. <laughs> you know the fallers next week. Maybe we'll try to do that and talk about some of the players who, because of injury or um, lack of production, whatever it might be, the offense that they're in, they've slipped from September to January, and we'll try to identify who is uh, who's going to return to where they once were. Yeah, don't don't expect to see many rookies on that followers list, right? Because uh, <laughs> even yeah, you wish you hit on Garrett Wilson, you know, instead of uh, you know somebody else you drafted, Traylon maybe Burks. yeah, Traylon Burks. But um, I mean, if you look at every rookie that was a top one hundred pick in ADP in September, I, I think there were only two who have lost value uh, mm. based based on that ADP. So again. Young wide receivers, rookies in general, are a safe investment. That doesn't mean keep them on your roster forever, but feel pretty good about about investing and, and then making the decisions from, from then on. Yeah, I love Jamison Williams, guys. I love his upside. But, man, I, I feel so much better about it if he had a, that surge at the end of the season when he got did get on the field. Much like some Christian Watson and some of these other guys who, who played so well. Um, same can probably set be said about Pickens George Pickens in in Pittsburgh we're all very excited about him and feel great about having him on our roster we just feel better about the other guys that were drafted around him because they did have the production uh in their rookie seasons 
it's time for the Rookie Report. Yeah, let's get to the most important part of the show here. We're, I think we're, we're pretty early in the process, right, guys? We, we, we tried to get a jump start on these rookies because there's so many that we want to talk about. And uh, we're trying to cover a big name every single week. We all play in super flex leagues. We got three guys here, but it starts at the top with Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback, Matt, is... He's a dynamic player maker and a guy that dynasty managers, particularly us in super flex leagues, if there wasn't a Bijan Robinson in this class, we'd be talking about him as a very solid number one overall pick potentially for dynasty players. What's your what's what's the thing about Bryce Young that you think will translate to the next level? The best part about his game. For me, I, th- I think the best part of, I mean, there's a lot of good things about Bryce Young, obviously, but for me, I think the best part is his ability to extend plays. Uh, he has this, this really this knack for creating offense around him when it seems like the play is just lost, it's over, throw it away, or you're going to take a sack, that kind of thing. His escapability um, out of that pocket, uh, and you know, to go along with that, his pocket awareness. Um, he, I think he especially senses pressure well up the middle. You see a lot of quarterbacks, uh, coming out of school, and even still in the NFL, honestly, that they sense just a tiny bit of pressure coming up the middle, and they're bailing. They're out of that pocket. But he has the wherewithal to sense when it's actually a serious situation and he needs to escape the pocket, or if he can just take a little little sidestep, move up in the pocket, and complete the throw that way. Um, uh, and then one other note about his uh, when he's extending the play, he, he does this really fun thing where he – kind of flips his his hips even when he's on the move to reset that throwing base and I really think that that helps make him an accurate thrower uh, even on the move maybe even sometimes more accurate on the move at least from the eye test maybe not from this from the statistical backing I'm not sure um, but that that move on the uh, that, that move he does when he's when he's when he's running out of the pocket to make sure he throws an accurate throw is really impressive how quickly he does that too I noticed the same thing yeah. he he's quick to turn his back to the line of scrimmage but he's just as quick to reset his feet, uh, get parallel, and, and deliver the ball accurately. You mentioned accuracy. Whether it's on the run or set from the pocket, he, he's a ball placer. He, he throws a nice ball, a catchable ball for his receivers. And that's why he won a Heisman Trophy. That's why he's been looked at, Ryan, as one of these guys that we as Dynasty players are so excited about. Uh, really, football fans in general, there, there have been... Uh, fan bases that have been hoping for this number one pick because of Bryce Young specifically. And that's because of everything he's done at, at Alabama as a high-end prospect. And, man, he delivers. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Uh, hit on a lot of things there. I've I've heard others, uh, scouts and, 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 and draftniks, uh, talk about Bryce Young's uh, IQ, high IQ for the game. And, and I think so much of what Matt mentioned there falls in, under that category and, and totally agree with, uh, with everything he said. To me, it just comes down to the accuracy. Just, um, just that, that's his number one attribute, I think, and, uh, and outweighs really any, any of the negatives. I, I think that's, you know, that's going to be kind of his calling card uh, that ends up making him uh, one of the top draft picks in the league. 
and those no, those numbers could be a lot better too that we saw those accuracy numbers especially his pass catchers dropped 22 passes last year uh and he's throwing he's not throwing to these alabama receivers we're used to thinking about right he's not throwing to Devonte smith and calvin ridley and jalen waddle and jerry judy and these guys that are that are that are you're killing it in the nfl right he's throwing to these guys that are i wouldn't i don't i'm not going to call them unknowns but they're certainly at least to this point to their career are not up to the talent level of those guys so uh if you had less drops you have had more talent on the outside there his numbers could have looked even better yeah he looked awfully good with Devonte smith though yeah, you know, yeah that yeah, that yes. uh you know you watch those Devonte smith highlights and it's like man the placement is, is so great and um you mentioned quickly there the improvisation the the skills as a runner because he's he's always got his eyes down the field he wants to make the play yeah. with his arm but he is he's dynamic as an athlete he's a guy that will get down the field with, he's got the scoots you know he, he's a lot of people, you keep hearing the comparison to Kyler Murray, and that, that's drawn because of the athleticism and the height comparison, the size comparison overall. If there's a uh, shortcoming with his game, if there's a negative that comes along with it, it feels like everybody, Matt, that's talking about, uh, about Bryce Young, they point immediately to his size and, and wondering if that, that size will cause problems at the next level we've all heard about it with kyler because he is smaller that he gets banged around and late in the season he's not nearly as effective this could be something there might be something to that and bryce young is a similar in stature statue to kyler yeah i think that is the initial place people are going to go to i think i've read something like we've never seen a quarterback uh you know in the 195 190 pound range really be that successful in the nfl um, but I just don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go down that road personally. I think I understand it from, from the perspective. Are you afraid he's going to get hurt? We get through all the stuff with two of this year. We've gone through it every, almost seemingly every year with Kyler, uh, towards the end of the season. But I just, I don't really want to lean. I don't want to use the size argument as a crutch anymore. He's made it work throughout his career uh, at the collegiate level. And that's what we have to go on. You know, he's a fantastic quarterback. I think if there was something else you could point to, maybe you could argue he doesn't have like, you know, the cannon for an arm. But again, we've seen quarterbacks throughout history uh, of the NFL succeed without having that Josh Allen kind of arm. We've seen quarterbacks like Malik Willis, who have an incredible arm talent, completely fall flat on their face, thus far on their NFL careers. So um, I guess that's really the only two for me, Dan. Uh, do you have anything else other than size and maybe lack of elite arm talent? I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about landing spot with him because he does have to land yeah. with a coach that's willing to use him correctly, right? We, we, can't, we can't land with one of these archaic head coaches that want to put a guy in the pocket and make him stand there and deliver the football on time all the time because the greatness of – of Bryce Young is is when he's making plays with his legs and and improvising on the on the fly and so I'm a little bit concerned about that and at the top of the draft um, there's there's some potential landing spots that you wonder will that coaching staff use him in the way that he should be used uh, so outside of that I think you I think you nailed it though um, Ryan if you had something to add as far as as far as landing spot or what we expect. I don't think there's a chance Bryce Young sliding outside of the top couple picks in the draft. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Uh, looking at some of the recent mock drafts that have come out, uh, Mel Kuyper had him four overall to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Dane Brugler 
Uh, yep, Dane Brugler also had him to the Colts, but uh, via a trade-up, so number one overall to the Colts. And Daniel Jeremiah had him second overall to the Houston Texans. So, yeah, I mean, we can argue uh, Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud. We'll talk about him in the coming weeks. We talked about Le- Will Levis already. Those are the top three guys, and, and they're all going to be, you know, I think they're all going to be top ten picks eventually. Um and maybe we could even say top six or seven picks that those those players would be drafted in. Uh, looking at our rankings really quickly in the Superflex uh, format, Bryce Young is the quarterback one there, and he's number two overall just behind uh, B. John Robinson. The question becomes, you know, without knowing landing spot, without knowing draft capital at this point, Ryan, where is what's the expectation for Dynasty? Where does he fit into these ranks? We were just talking about, these guys at the end of the quarterback ones, that tier of players and where they might, where they might, uh, where these rookies might shake in. You have to imagine it's right in that range, high end quarterback two, right out of the gate. Yep, absolutely. Talked about uh, Trey Lance as that that quarterback thirteen in our current ADP, um, and and I think with a, you know, with a reasonable landing spot, that's where we're going to see. Um, Bryce Young end up in, in 13, 14. I mean, he's certainly going to be ahead of Aaron Rodgers and Cousins and Russell Wilson, Stafford, all those veterans. He, he's going to be ahead of all those guys um, pretty easily, I think, actually. So, um, yeah, we're, we're talking about that high-end QB2, maybe even low-end QB1 if there continues to be the concerns about Tua, Dak, Lance, uh, even Deshaun Watson. I think that's a nice spot to put him at this point. Uh, either way, the expectation is that in super flex leagues, you get a guy you can immediately start. Uh, and even in quarterback, in one quarterback leagues, there's, uh, you know, that's where I want to, I want to bring you in, Matt. We, we regularly talk about these single quarterback leagues and how even elite quarterbacks last until round two in a rookie draft. Is Bryce Young one of these guys that we can wait on a little while and still add him? on a playoff team or a championship team, either late in round one or early in round two? Yeah, I don't think I'm taking him higher than like the 112 early second round range. And I mean, if somebody wants to jump on him ahead of time in a one quarterback league, uh, I think there are certainly players in that end of the first range where you could, you could see taking him above them, but not, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's for me. I don't think he's that, you know, that, that locked in elite kind of prospect. He does have some running ability, obviously with the escapability out of the pocket, but I'm not sure he's going to be like a, a Jalen hurts, uh, right. you know, uh, Lamar Jackson kind of product producer from the ground, maybe like a, Jan- a Daniel Jones kind of producer from this year, which is certainly very good. Um, but not enough to where I'm willing to spend, uh, you know, a, a top, I don't know, a top 10 pick or so top, top nine pick in a one quarterback league. Uh, so end of the first, early second, I think that's fine, but, uh, that's as high as I'm going. I think the expectation will be going back to that running the ball, uh, aspect of his game. And he's a 30 to 40 yard a game guy. He, he's going to put 400, 500 yards worth of rushing on his tally, uh, in a season, and that creates that floor that we get excited about. You know, you mentioned very quickly, I know we got to move on, but you mentioned the arm strength with him. And I looked for that. I was watching for that arm strength and, and that issue because it's something that we've talked about a lot. We talked about it with Brock Purdy recently that he's just not going to rear up and rip it. Uh, and and he, 
he's obviously got an NFL arm. He can throw it in the middle of the field, but that that deep out when he has to look to the perimeter and make a long throw on a line, it's just not the same. When you watch Bryce Young, he's got enough of that, but he, it seems like he's always trying to feather the ball over somebody. He's trying to lay the ball over a defender between two guys, and I think that can be seen as a positive because he, he's looking to put that touch on the ball at all times. I wonder if he's not one of those guys that when he gets to the next level and he's constantly playing against professional coverages, if he doesn't uncork that that next gear on that fastball, especially between the numbers. I I was going to point out the deep ball too before he moved on because he does, I think, have a really nice catchable deep ball. I don't want to say it's as good as like that Russell Wilson or or I guess prime 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 playing time Russell Wilson of that rainbow arc that just lands just perfectly in the receiver's arms. I don't think it's quite up to that, but it's I would say it's similar to that. the, the 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 part where you I think I noticed the most of that arm strength is like you said on those those tight window throws where he's got to just kind of rocket it in there to get to get it through those uh, multiple defenders around. So I think that is something that we haven't at least that I haven't quite seen yet in in my film watching. But I I don't disagree that it's it's certainly you know that it's there uh, in some regard and maybe he can do it when he needs to. I I think he can. I think it's I think it's adequate uh, at the worst. And that that he'll be able to get by because he's such a good athlete and he's so good when uh, when he sees just a little bit of pressure he can make something out of nothing and that's what we all love to watch as as football fans and love to see in our our stat lines as fantasy managers. Let's move on to the next guy. Uh, let's go to Pitt running back. It's Izzy uh, Abanacanda. Abanacanda. Abanacanda, holy cow. Abanacanda, you know, I see the spelling of it. I see the spelling of it, and I want to say Bana, and it's Abanacanda. Uh, so he's a guy. Fun, I'm fun not, name, I fun that, player. I, I wasn't very familiar with him, though. I, I got to admit, I don't watch a lot of pit football unless I'm watching uh, Kenny Pickett or something like that. And Abanacanda is an interesting prospect. There are things to love about his upside and his ability to uh, create, even at the next level when playing on Sundays, Matt. What's the thing uh, about Izzy that, that really gets you excited about his upside? For me, it's the, the speed and burst that he has at the size that he is. He's that, that 5'11", 215, 220-pound running back. I just love that that size, that 5'10", 5'11 guy who's also uh, in that, uh, that 215 to 225 range. Um, those are kind of my, my favorite profile for running back, and this guy hits that. Uh, his ability to get up to speed fast uh, at that size and still lay lay the wood on those defenders that, that come up and, and jump into a hole, and he can just run right over them while still having the uh, explosive to kind of run off tackle uh, and pick up uh, big yardage plays out, out, out of the, on the outside as well. So uh, for me, those are the best ones. Yeah, he's, the pass catching is, is pretty good. I think he has soft hands. I don't think we necessarily saw as much as I would like to see, um, but I don't necessarily think that's going to be a detriment to him. Um, but I'll, I'll stick with that. The burst and speed at his size uh, is really impressive to me. Is there something for you, Ryan, outside of that, that when, when you watch him play that makes you think that, you know, he, he had that big breakout season, in 2022 that maybe that's the starting point to something something bigger and better even at the next level yeah i think the burst stands out as well just just breaks through that line uh so many times uh in in every game that i saw um just a few other things you talked about the breakout season in uh this past year in 2022 uh 
you know, sometimes we question that. Is, is he a one-year wonder kind of thing? The bright side of that is uh, not, not a ton of carries on his body. So he's going to enter the league uh, somewhat fresh compared to some of the other running backs coming in. Also just 20 years old. So 20. He's, he, he's, he's young and, he's, uh, and, and he doesn't have a huge uh, workload on his plate already. Both of those, I think, are, are good things. Really just a patient runner is, is the other thing I noted. Um, could you know kind of waited for that uh for that hole to open up so many times yeah and you know we talk about his burst and that's the thing we we want to get excited about we want to see that guy blast through the line of scrimmage hit the second level make somebody miss and take one to the house especially at the college level and watch how that translates to the next level he he mixes in a little bit of power with all that you know when we talk about guys with burst and acceleration he mixes in the ability to to uh to gather himself and, and take on a hit and uh, with good contact ba- balance, right? So, um, you know, if, if I were to go first, I was going to say burst. But the second yeah. thing that popped out to me is that contact balance and his ability to stay on his feet and, and uh, make a play out of something after taking, taking on contact. So, you know, I don't know. I think maybe he's one of the players, Matt, that is, could be a better pro than he was even in that breakout season. He he seems to be maturing, and that, that comes with being a 20-year-old prospect that's going into the NFL draft. There's a good chance that he's still getting quite a bit better over the next handful of seasons, and you're getting him young enough now that maybe the sky's the limit with this guy. Yeah, I mean, he didn't even uh, – I watched a, a quick profile of him talking about a little bit of his history uh, and he didn't even really think about football. He wanted to run track. I believe his brother ran track or something. He ran track, uh, won the gold medalist uh, in, a, in a race. It was a gold medalist in a race in New York. I think it's called the Mayor's Cup race, something like that. Um, so it's interesting. I think he does have a lot to go. Um, uh, oh, excuse me, a lot more uh, that he can add to his profile. I think one thing that the, if we want to jump over to concerns, Dan, um, yeah. I, uh, the lateral agility is a little bit of a concern, I think, especially like when navigating the line, that trash at the line, you see him a little bit, uh, not able to navigate that, uh, and not really be able to juke in those short areas, spots called elusiveness, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, the vision, um, I think it's okay, but like you don't really see him do the things that the elite prospects that in, in this class do, like pressing the line in a direction uh, and kind of using that to manipulate the second level defenders to kind of go one direction and have him be able to cut back uh, into a different hole. And maybe that goes back to that lateral agility. So we'll have to see how he tests in that that regard. Um, but as a as a straight line runner, uh, he he's just so much fun to watch. Uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't know how much it matters necessarily if he gets into the right scheme, if he gets into a kind of a one cut and go kind of scheme rather than he's got to sit behind the line and pick and choose his battles. Like that might be where we see a little bit of hesitation and him get caught behind the line. Um, but in the right offense, I think he's going to be a really fun player. Yeah, and he, he likes to try to get the perimeter, right? He, he goes mm-hmm. to the edge when he gets that trash in front of him. He, he doesn't pick through it and find that, find that little crease to, to use that explosiveness. He tries to get the edge, and that's not going to fly at the next level. He's going to get caught in negative yards and all those kind of things. So um, you mentioned elusiveness. I, I call that more of impatience at times to, to find, that, find that extra scene. You know, when it's inside the offense, when he's running that stretch play on the edge, 
and looking for that one cutback when it's a design cutback he's very good he has that patience he waits for it to develop and then he runs off the backside of his block but when there's when something breaks down in front of him he instantly checks to the outside and tries to outrun people to the corner and he got away with that at times at Pitt against lesser competition he's not going to be able to do that at the next level i love his his um demeanor on the field he he wants extra yards he's working hard yeah. for for the you know to make that big play he wants to bounce off contact and then look back at the guy laying on the ground i love that about him um and again he's so young um the expectation at this point is he's a middle of the road running back in this class right he's not he's not one of the high-end prospects that we're expecting high-end draft capital with but i think it's probably be fair ryan to say that maybe uh a banacanda might be one of the the guys who could move up the board in the coming months. If he has a, a nice showing at the combine, if he shows that explosiveness and long speed that we're not 100% sure about or or we've seen on film, we want to see how that translates, he could move up a little bit. Yeah, I definitely think he could. We, I, th- I feel like we're actually pretty aggressive on his ranking at DLF. He's, uh, he's our RB9 right now, 21 overall. So uh, based mm. on that, we don't have that rookie ADP yet, uh, hopefully very soon. Uh, but based on that, you expect him to maybe be a late second round rookie pick. Um, he's not showing up. I talked about the Kuiper and the, and the Jeremiah mocks. He's not showing up in, in any of those, even when they stretch it to two rounds. Uh, but our, our buddy Shane Hallam uh, at, over at DLF, does a seven round mock and and he did have uh, a banacanda as a fifth rounder there so um again that just leaves a lot of meat on the bone i, I certainly think he could uh move up to an earlier day three pick uh, maybe maybe sneak into the the back end of uh, of day two that certainly feels like his upside uh and, and not necessarily likely but um yeah a player that i do kind of expect to to gain some value uh in the community in the coming weeks yeah i have him at rb11 in my rookie rankings down there at 28 so i i pushed all those pass catchers ahead of this tier of running backs those guys that do one thing really well but, uh either one of those guys that go up and get it or can create the separation but maybe doesn't have that long speed all those those one trick ponies i have above a, a banacanda and chase brown and uh uh, the TCU running back, even uh, Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller. Uh, yeah, so, I, you know, I'm I'm deferring to the pass catchers over this tier of running back. I see them more, these guys, as more of late second round, maybe third round rookie picks, depending on if they get the draft capital to, to bump them up just a little bit or potentially the landing spot. Uh, but certainly a guy that I think if you can get in that range, you're going to you're gonna be excited about his upside, especially considering the age. Holy cow, we don't get 20-year-old prospects very often with, uh, with this kind of upside. Let's, uh, let's move on to a receiver here. We covered the quarterback. We hit on a running back. How about Rakim Jarrett, wide receiver, Matt? He's a guy that um, has had some, some ups and downs as far as um, Devi upside and those kind of things. Talking about Rakim Jarrett, is he a guy that you're excited about as far as dynasty potential? 
not really, honestly. <laughs> okay. like, okay. I have not. I I have not. I I have not really seen it. I mean, I, I'm still going to watch more. Maybe I just haven't seen the really fantastic plays yet. But he really just feels like he'll be a fine NFL receiver. It'll be a nice three, a nice nice guy to come in off the bench as a four, maybe four wide receiver sets, something like that. But I don't really see him as a as a top two receiver uh, on a team. Uh, I think he's he's going to live with his, his after the catch ability. Like maybe he gets targeted, you know, early and often on those on those short and intermediate passes, and we're going to get the ball in his hands so we can make plays in that regard. But as a receiver, like I, I don't, I mean, I don't really see as a as a as a really a, a fantastic route runner, a fast fantastic. He just doesn't really seem to have that much of a calling card to me. So maybe that's my problem with it. I'm just not understanding him as a prospect yet. So I'm looking forward to hear what you guys say. Cause I, I, I'm either I'm missing the boat on him or I just, or he's just not, <laughs> not a, not a stud wide receiver in the NFL. Well, he wasn't a stud receiver in the big 10 and no, that that's no, a problem. Wasn't. You know, I think his biggest season was something like 50 catches for 700 yards and, a handful of touchdowns, but he did play at Maryland. He wasn't, he was never married to that quarterback that could deliver the ball. But, you know, really when you watch him, you keep waiting for, for that separation and that, that big play that makes you say, Oh, that's why he was such a big time recruit. Uh, I believe he's a, he's a home state guy. He, he originally, you know, he's from Maryland and he wanted big Maryland fan and stay, stay in state, stay close to home and stuff. He was he was a five star guy that they expected to take that program to the next level potentially, and he just never developed into that guy. He just mixed into the offense, and he'd have plays where he'd show that separation at the line of scrimmage, catch that slant, and then make the safety miss. And you'd say, "Wow, that that's why he was a five star prospect." But he could never do it consistently. So um, you know, I, all the time I've watched him, and I watch a lot of Maryland football. I'm one of the Big Ten fans, so. Um, I never walked away from watching him play and thought, now that's the guy that that's going to be yeah. a, a dynasty player that we want to get excited about. And I think our rankings of him, Ryan, make make that pretty clear. I don't think there's many people out there in the industry that are saying draft Rakim Jarrett either in the late second or even third round of rookie drafts. He's going to get pushed a little lower than that unless something unforeseen happens in the draft process. Yeah, he's our wide wide receiver twelve among rookies right now, thirty four overall, high. and uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree. And uh, again, we got to uh, default to uh, to Shane Hallam's mock as as the seven rounder out there. He uh, just like uh, Abana Kanda is a fifth rounder in uh, in Shane's mock. You know, I mean, I. I'm with you guys. Like I struggled to find anything that really stood out as, as a strong positive. Um, his, his after the catch ability was good in most games, I thought. Um, and, and you saw him line up kind of all over the field slot out wide, you ran some, um, some end arounds and things like that. But to me, all of that is kind of tied into a concern I have as he transitions to the NFL that low A dot, uh, it felt like, I mean, maybe I watched the wrong games, but it felt like 90% of his touches were within a, a yard or two of the line of scrimmage, and they just got him the ball and, and go, you know, kind of relying on that that five-star uh, recruit status. Here's the ball, go make a play, almost almost like a, you know, a running back or something. But when, when they threw him the ball down the field, 
most of the time it did not go well. He's six feet tall, but I felt like he played small. Uh, if he had to go he up, have and, the speed. He yeah, if he had to go to get, if he had to go up and get the ball, I mean, it 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 just usually was not happening. And, and well, that, that goes back that's to not the quarterback what he'll be play. asked to do at the next level either. He, he's not going to be asked to be a downfield threat. He, no. I, I think most maybe I'm missing here, Matt, but I see him as a slot guy that is going to be asked to work the zone in the middle of the field and, and find those openings, which, you know, if I had to say another strength, I'd say that's it. You mentioned yeah. those bubble screens and quick looks, Ryan. He also was asked to uh, find that opening between the two linebackers, sit in it, catch the ball, and like we see so many times, kind of fall backwards after the catch yeah. and, and try to stumble into a, a running start for, for yards after the catch. You know, that when that's your strength, at college in the big 10 um even that that i don't know if that translates i don't have him in my top 40 in in my rookie rankings i don't see him as a guy i'm gonna pick in the first three rounds i'm honestly i'm kind of surprised that we have that many rankers that would place him in the that high to be our wide receiver 12 i don't i don't know anything about the maryland program dan so enlighten me is there a reason why there's not a, a big time receiver there is like in, in terms of an offensive scheme a game plan do they just not highlight the receivers in that offense because yeah maryland's you know, 400... a 400 it's a it's a basketball school right <laughs> going going yeah, back right. they, they want to be a basketball <laughs> school and uh they haven't really competed uh, at least consistently to with their football program to even even go to Big Ten championships or anything like that. So um, he was a big time recruit, though. That that was the calling card, right? The the one recruit that they could say, look, look who we got. He's he's gonna really change the game for us, and it just didn't really happen. Uh, their latest quarterback is Tua's little brother. Um, yeah, he's been there now for a couple of seasons and he's never trans transferred that all that skill and that athletic athleticism into being a consistent passer either really struggles to, to throw an accurate pass. And, and that, those kind of things, the quarterback issues, um, that certainly, certainly, uh, didn't help Jarrett develop into anything more than what he's been at this, at this point. I do think the fifth round expectation for his draft capital is probably fair at this point. Um, but to expect him to be anything more than a wide receiver three down the road uh, for an NFL team is probably not fair at this point. So I, I, I wouldn't say he his ultimate upside in Dynasty is anything better than than maybe a fringe uh, fill-in flex-type receiver, fourth guy, fifth guy, and that's if everything shakes out good for him. So those three uh, are our rookie report for for this week. We got to add these guys into our ranking. So we're considering this super flex rankings. We have Bijan at the top. Is there any argument to to put Bryce Young in super flex over Bijan for either of you guys? No, nope. But he's no. locked in at number two. Locked in at number two uh, as as far as the guys that we have added. Uh, at this point, the next guy we talked about, of course, Izzy uh, Abanacanda. I almost said it again. The pit running back. He, he he's a fun one for sure. But we've talked about some good players, including Jordan Addison. Will Levis in Superflex certainly belongs above him. I say Rashi Rice belongs above him as well. After that, we have Darnell Washington cur- currently, the tight end from Georgia. Matt, is this the range that we're thinking about for him? 
Yep, you read my mind, Dan. I think right there. And of the rookies we covered so far, the nine we've covered, I think he's right there at six. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And then our final guy, final guy Rakim Jarrett, uh, wide receiver from Maryland, Ryan. Um, he, he, if, we're, if we're comparing to somebody that we've already talked about, it's Muhammad Ibrahim, um, who comes in at eight so far in our rankings. Do you want him in front or behind of, of the Minnesota running back? Uh, I think Jarrett's probably last on this list right now. Matt? I, I, yeah, I was going to defer to you guys on this one. I, I, I could say ahead or behind. I mean, I know I did, was not super impressed with Ibrahim, but I wasn't with Jared either. I was going to break the tie in favor of the wide receiver, but if even Ryan is saying pick the running back over the wide receiver, then uh, we'll, we'll put him last. I didn't, I didn't rank either one of them guys in my top 40 overall. I, I, I seem to be, if I have a fourth round of a rookie draft and I got to choose between these guys, I'm actually taking the running back. I think there might be a little bit more upside if that guy can stay healthy. Um, Jared just never showed it for me at Maryland. So that's going to do it for this episode of the show. We appreciate all of you for listening. Follow Ryan at RyanMC23. Get Matt at MattPriceFF. I'm at DMiler. 22 and you can get the podcast at dlf podcast uh thanks very much for listening um we got another another trio of rookies to cover next week uh we'll catch you then thank you for listening to the dlf dynasty podcast please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts